Hello and welcome to Recovery Internet Radio, brought to you live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios. Hope you're having a beautiful weekend and getting ready for an excellent 4th of July. Go Blackhawks. Uh, yeah. Go on, Blackhawks. Yeah. Well, hey, we haven't been on since last Sunday, so, you know, just yeah. had to throw that out there. All right. Hey, I just want, this is uh, episode number 75 in our just over a year of broadcasting here and uh you know thanks for joining us again tonight here on sunday at 8 p.m and every sunday at 8 p.m we just have a quick uh couple of shout outs to some some friends and supporters uh just want to say that we've uh we really like a double take band a double take band they're a chicago band they do uh they do covers they do uh current music old stuff good stuff all kinds of stuff dance music dance music mm-hmm. like I don't think they do rap. No rap? No rap. Okay, well, if you're, you know, no. sorry about that. I know you guys are bummed. Check them out, though. They've got a show coming up at uh, Key's Steak and Seafood in Glendale Heights, the 13th uh, at 830. So uh, if you're interested, check them out. They're at uh, doubletakechicago.com. So check out their website. They've got say, all their... Say hi to our friend, 10-gallon Bob Harper. Hey, old Bob. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> Ten gallon Harper, yeah. Putting out the putting out the good stuff. I'm gonna go into the explanation. <laughs> Just go check them out. Yeah. Uh, what else we got to say about? Uh, we we also want to want to say a quick word about uh, a mentoring program. Uh, we call it's called Sidekicks Mentoring. Uh, it's a youth mentoring program. It's no cost volunteer program designed to offer structure and support for maintaining a healthy sober lifestyle. Um, it's a it's a free program. It's, uh, you know, really targeted at kids that maybe uh, aren't quite right for big brothers, big sisters. Yeah. That sort of thing. Does that, does that sound That'd about right? That's a good right? description, yeah. I think that's a pretty good description. But check us out. We'd love to uh, we'd love to offer you any assistance we can here. And uh, check that out at sidekicksmentoring.org. Do we have a phone number? Sure do. It's 815-451-7641. And as a special bonus, I'll be the one answering the phone. <laughs> Yours truly. <laughs> That water. So, you know, if you want to hear more of this wonderful voice, go ahead. I think that's all I got. Rick? Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm going to save a couple of – we have a couple of other shout-outs, which I'm going to maybe save for halftime, because I wanted to mention um, we, have, we had a friend uh, that we lost just a couple of days ago. gentleman's name was Jim Nader. And he was the host and I believe the producer of a show called The Magnificent Obsession, which actually, as I read about it, was a show that has a format very similar to this one. And uh, we had actually um, emailed Jim a few times trying to uh, get a hold of him because we would have liked to interviewed him. For this show. That never did happen. And Jim passed away recently, but he... uh, he was a pioneer in uh, doing this kind of stuff, and he had uh, he had been doing it for 20 years. I had no idea, but he had been doing it for 20 years. Um, the magnificent obsession uh, on national public radio, and uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll miss Jim, and we'll we'll dedicate this maybe dedicate this show a little bit to uh, to him. Yeah, absolutely. In his uh, in his honor. So. Anyway, um, welcome everybody tonight to uh, Recovery Internet Radio and our show Straight Stuff on Addictions. And our tag tonight is the Spirit of Recovery. And our guests are Chuck and Chris. And uh, glad you're here this Sunday night. Um, you can call in for questions or comments at 323-792-2977 or you can tweet at 
At, at Rick Atwater. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Live during the show. Right? You can get right, right into the show. Yeah. Uh, and please check recoveryinternetradio.com. For this, you can listen to this show live on our website, or you can listen to all of our archive shows as well. You certainly can. You can yeah. also subscribe to us uh, via podcast and uh, just get your, your daily your daily or your weekly dose uh, daily, directly to yeah, your eye device. We are going to say your weekly fix, but it just yeah, really no, doesn't it sound, sound right. good. Yeah. No, no mm-hmm. it wouldn't be good. Okay, so maybe we'll get started. Um, Spirit of Recovery, and I guess um, we've got a couple of guys who have some experience with the the spiritual part of the program, and um, of course everybody in the program has some experience with the spiritual part of the program. They just might not know it when they start, which brings me to my first question. Did you did did you guys know what you were getting into in that regard? I mean, did you know it was, I mean, they talk about recovery in the 12-step program. It, it's a spiritual solution. So... How did that work for you? Uh, I did not. Uh, I uh, I had sampled AA, uh, and so knew you know there was God stuff involved and mm. and the stuff that's in the steps. But uh, went out for a little postgraduate work, and when I finally struggled back, uh, <laughs> all I all I really wanted to do was figure out how to stop drinking. I could I, I went for a year and a half and couldn't stay sober for even a day. And uh, so I got to this counselor guy and said, told him all my troubles and told him I had tried AA and it doesn't didn't work for me and uh, and all the other stuff and I was just looking for a solution and uh, and he got me he got me back into AA which I thought was a dumb idea but it still seems to be working. <laughs> but no, I had no clue at the time that there was anything spiritual involved. I was so broken that I was just willing to 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 do what I was told step by step by step and uh, and this and you know the realization that it was a spiritual program didn't come until later in the game for this kid. Or yeah, much less what all that would mean and what it would come to mean and all of that sort of stuff. So if they just said, you know, play play hopscotch three times a day and I'm on it. drink nine glasses of water. Got it. Ten, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> okay, that's spiritual. Cool. I got it. So what about you, Chris? Did you know what what you were getting into? Uh, I did not either. I was maybe a little bit different case than Chuck because uh, I didn't uh, sign up for this gig. I was uh, actually 17 years old when I got sober. I was forced into treatment by. Uh, my parents and my uh, current psychiatrist at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a long time to really understand, first of all, that I was uh, qualified for this program, and uh, mm-hmm. second of all, to learn what this program was all about. So, so it wasn't like uh, I'll do anything. That wasn't I'll do. <laughs> In fact, it might have been kind of the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I can't say that uh, maybe because there was a huge relief that came off my shoulders when I. It was finally I didn't have to pretend. I was going on a what I thought was going to be a six-week vacation um, because I was going to get out. I was uh, struggling with everything in life. I was actually still in high school and was flunking out, and everything was falling apart around me, and I knew I couldn't do anything, and I knew I had a problem. Um, I just didn't understand anything about that problem and uh, the fact that it, you know, what the extent of that problem was. So Yeah, so it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't quite... No, I didn't walk in here thinking I was going to find God. So you I didn't? Was, no. Okay. I didn't even walk in here thinking I was going to stop drinking. So, <laughs> that was a surprise, too? I thought that was going to be temporary. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Bummer. 
<laughs> so when when did you uh, when did you find out? When did you maybe maybe it would be a better question to ask? When did you start to find out what was going to be required in the in the spiritual department and what and what was that? Was there an event or a a moment um, when you started to figure it out? You got to figure. Out, I, I had to figure out what a spiritual program was. What you know? There, what does it mean? There's, yeah. a, there's a, an appendix in the back of the big book that tells us what a spiritual experience is, and uh, you know, there, there's a lot of mystery involved in that. You read some of the stories and the, the old stories in the big book, and there were a lot of burning bushes and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I sure didn't see any of those coming up in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the I, I cheated a little and took a glance at that appendix before coming down here, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it talks about just a personality change, a profound personality change that uh, that allows us to beat the drinking uh, hmm. uh, problem. Uh, we wind up, we we come up with a different approach to life. And uh, and I guess I started seeing different approach to life in little bits and chunks. Uh, the stuff that was such a problem to me when I couldn't stop drinking for even a day turned out to be interesting background and challenges after I was sober for a while and uh, you know just a different different approach to life you see something coming down the pike and it's not suddenly something that's going to crush you it's you know you don't have to walk around continually paranoid you just wind up living life and and that's all part I think of the spiritual experiences they talk about it in there just a a different way of looking at life, and mm-hmm. that came slow, slow but sure. But but, and it, it's still developing even today. I got some areas that need to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you? Is there? Uh, is there? A, a, well, you know, first of all, I think a, a lot of people would would think would be shocked at that definition of spirituality. Well, wait, doesn't doesn't it have more? Like uh, uh, deities involved in, in, in whatnot, or you know, doesn't it have more? Uh... Well, what it says in the book is uh, the. Well, why don't we take a look at it? It's right. a pretty simple sentence. It says, uh, uh, "Our members find that they have tapped an un, unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves." And, uh, and that's kind of how it was for me. I couldn't. St- I, I, I'm a willpower-driven kind of guy, and I couldn't stop drinking for a day. I mean, mm-hmm. And I got here and and started doing the you know play hopscotch, and, mm-hmm. and there it was a day, two days, three days. Didn't take long to realize that there was a power at work in my life that was an awful lot stronger than I was, because here I was sober. Mm-hmm. And, Just by the and, fact that you weren't, that wasn't something that you were able to do with the willpower. Absolutely right, and, and you know, I, I got laughed at in my my home group for kind of a long time as I kind of morphed from this guy that started out saying, "I don't know what this power is. I don't know if it wears dresses. I don't know if it lives in the clouds, or it's got anything to do with all that Catholic upbringing I had. I just know there's a power, and it doesn't have it in for me, and I'm sober today, and that's enough. That's I don't enough. Cross examine it. Yeah. Okay. And you could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would be you would be capable of cross examination. In fact, was did well. 
you know, I mean, I don't want to go too far there, but you know, but but you could you could over. This is something you could easily overthink, is what you're saying. Uh, I'm pretty sure that when I got struck drunk the first time through AA, I was working on the third step, and I started at the back end trying to understand God. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like a hot stove to me. I didn't want to do any of that. So you tried that method of. And so so yeah, and and then I was around being this spiritual midget for a few years in the group and. Uh, suddenly started saying stuff that, that sounded a little more spiritual, and, and I just got laughed at, you know. Here he comes, our spiritual giant. So, you, yeah, so you went from spiritual midget to spiritual giant. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, and so, like, it sounds like for you, it's a, it's, it's pretty, a pretty simple thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. What about, Chris, what's your, uh, you know, take on that? Was there an event or a, you know, early in your sobriety that got you started with this or that where you recognized that it was either needing to happen or happening? I, I think for me it was a lot of it was uh, I was um, witness to a lot of spiritual things. I was not very open to uh, outside ideas, knowledge, anything for quite a while <laughs> in my sobriety, um, but I was around a lot of people that had gone through it. You know, I... Uh, I had a little bit of experiences, you know, working with other people and getting a little bit of that, a little shot of serenity here and there where, you know, God was, you know, kind of, can I guess, you, knocking on my door a little bit. Can you say what working with other people, what does that mean and what is that, how does that tie in? Well, being around for for a little while when I was first sober, it was, you know, you, you get something that's fresh that's, yeah. that's just coming in and you try and, you know, help them get through the uh, the first, you know, couple of days or a couple of weeks or helping them out with little issues and you know it was the first time I'd ever experienced being outside of my own head you know and I think that was kind of the entree where it maybe allowed God to sneak in a little bit mm -hmm. uh, or what my conception of God was um, but you know I, I much later in my sobriety I had the whole burning bush and everything but early on you know it was a very slow it's a very slow I was very uh, resistant to anything but I had a sponsor who told me about uh, when he got sober, everybody told him, you know, when you get up in the morning, you get on your knees, you ask for help. And when you go to bed at night, you get on your knees and you say thank you. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I feel kind of silly because, you know, I don't believe. He said, we didn't tell you to believe. We told you to get on your knees and ask for help. <laughs> the There's the hot side thing. Yeah. yeah. So, it was, you know, he was big on doing the things that were going, you know, was going through the process. You know, whether you believe or not believe was not something that was part of his game plan. It was about doing the things. And I think doing that a little bit and, you know, when, when you, you know, you read some of the literature and you read the big book, you know, it's kind of hard to get through that without noticing there's something there. And like I said, I was resistant to a lot of it for a long time, but, you know, you can only be around it for so long before it starts to, uh, to sink in, you know, a uh, little osmosis. So, yeah, there's a lot of similarities in the, in there, you know, n no, figuring it out is not really a part of this deal. Now, figuring out wasn't real good for me. No, it was not real good. <laughs> figuring out was, and obviously that sponsor uh, knew that about yeah. you. No, there was. It we didn't ask you to believe. We just asked you to get on your knees. Yeah. And you know that. Yeah, I can. I can see that. So, all right. And you. And, and you also said something about you know when you were helping others, you were out of your own out of your own head. Yes. So. What does that I mean? What does that mean? Say something about being well, out of your own head, and how is that helpful? A, a lot of this disease to me is it's a selfish, self-centeredness. It's uh, you know being self-absorbed. All I ever thought about was 
was uh, with myself. You know, it's not what I think about me. What do you think about me? You know? And it was all I was. <laughs> and I didn't know. Key word there yeah. being me. I yeah. think right. So yeah. I mean, it was there was. Uh, I didn't have a concept of how to get out of that. How to to connect with anybody. It's like I walked around living in this bubble and nobody got in. You know, and when I started working with people a little bit, I started I started listening to what they were saying and being able to relate to them. I mean, a lot of the things. One of the, the probably most important things about this program for, for a lot of people that are in it is the fact that there's a connection between all of us that we all just understand how each other think. You know, there's just some, there's a brotherhood there, there's a fellowship, there's something there where you just, you can look at somebody who's going through it and you know what that feels like. You know? And is that, is would you say that that's part of the spiritual opening for you? It was that, for me, absolutely, yeah. because of my, my, Conception of God now is the fact that I think uh, I think I hear God speaks to me through other people. You know, my my conception of God is there in other people and and, and He's around all the time. I believe He's inside, but you know that speaker's broke in my head, so I have to listen to Him uh, outside in a lot of respects. So yeah. when I'm able to connect with somebody and talk to them, that was something that allowed it opens up some it space. It opens up the door for to not be thinking yeah, about you. yeah for the spirit to get in me rather than. Because yeah. I had blocked it off on the inside, yeah. so I wasn't able to open that for the spirit to get in. Did you have ex- experience with working with other people when you first came in, or did that not come until later, or where did that come in for you, and how did it, how does it play into the spiritual part of the program? It came in fairly early. I, I guess I recall one instance where I, I was fairly new, I don't know, a few months in or something like that, and hooked up with a guy, and... Uh, uh, we were talking before the meeting and after the meeting, and he's having a problem, and, uh, and he asked asked me for some advice, and I was an advice giver. It was my job, okay? <laughs> so, I, you know, my first reaction is to tell him exactly how to fix himself. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, and I was, and, and I drew a breath, ready to start doing that, and suddenly I said, you arrogant fool, <laughs> you, you know about his problem now from a 90-second description, and you're going to solve it? What do we do here? We share our experience, our strength, and our hope. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. And that was almost a spiritual experience for me. <laughs> that, it sounds like that might have been the first time <laughs> in your life. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, yeah, good. You know, so, but relate to relate for me how it, sharing your experience, strength, and hope rather than advice telling somebody what to do, you know, sharing your own experience rather than telling somebody what to do, how does that tie to the, the, you know, the spirit? What's the, what's the connection? Is that just not thinking about yourself enough or to, to let it in or what is it? No, I don't think it's quite that. I, I think when I look at what helped me most coming along, it was, well, partly it was the, the guys that told me that I needed to do this, the counselor that got me back and all the rest of that. But beyond that, the people at meetings, it was just they're willing to open their own hearts and their own lives to you so you could see how they address the problem and leave it to you to, 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 uh, to, to, to work it into your own life. And that's, that's the kind of non-arrogant approach that I, I guess I'm, 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 uh, I feel like I'm kind of a, you know, uh, an arrogant, this is the way, now quit, quit screwing around, do it, let's get done. Right. Uh, and, and it's a step in the direction of humility that takes me to to only, you know, this is what worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you, maybe it won't. So it's a step, so the 
Yeah, and yeah, it's there's the humility, which is which is then there's there's a part there's there's some piece of that that's that's you have to be humble enough to let the spirit in, I guess, or Absolutely. the spirituality. Yeah, in. yeah. So that's part of it, and then also you were saying that other people were sharing with you, and in that way, mm-hmm. and that sounds loving. Yes. If I could go, you know, way out on a limb and use that word, but it sounds loving, you know what I mean? That's right. I mean, Chris said, you know, he spent his time thinking about him. I, I think that's a typical M.O. of people uh, with alcoholism coming in. Yeah. Uh, and, to, and to learn to learn that there are other people in the world and that they have to fit in, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard for some of us, like me, to even take help when somebody offers something, my my first reaction is no, yeah. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll take care of it. Yeah, <laughs> but to, to you know, when a guy wants to give you something, and you know, you'd rather be doing something else, but you say, oh, thank you, because there, there's some relationship there. There's some brotherhood. It's all part of the. We're all God's kids playing in this game together. Hmm. That's what I've come to learn anyway. Hmm. And I don't know if I knew it back then, but I was starting to learn those lessons. Yeah. So you had to you had to figure you had to figure you you were becoming a part of is that that's that, a good way to look yeah and uh, do you think most alcoholics are tend to be the lone wolf sorts oh, in my experience <laughs> oh. certainly me well, there's, there's lone wolf but there's also hostage takers so. hostage takers yeah what is that well it's just I mean we we drag people into our into our uh, little more ass of uh, horribleness. Yeah. So you I'd rather be yeah. I'd rather be alone, but if I've got to be with somebody, well, I, I want I you to, to be miserable. My, yeah, well, I used to make my sister sit with me while I drank. So cause <laughs> she didn't want to be there. She didn't really care. And I wasn't there. She wasn't doing anything, but I'd make her sit there while I drank. So you So know, you wouldn't be lonely? I guess. I'm not sure what it was. I guess it was just I didn't want to drink alone. I mean though eventually I started drinking alone, which is it was too hard to find and I wasn't gonna drink it out. But uh, oh, you know, I think you, you you pull you pull it in. I mean that's probably a whole other discussion, but you know but I chuck it on the whole thing for me is, is the whole humility thing. And when mm. you said, you know, they just talk about being, you know, when I came in here I was apart from and then you come in here long enough you're a part of something. And I think that there's an empathy when you're when you're working with other people that I never experienced before. You know, I never, nobody could ever understand me. Nobody could ever ever think what I thought and experience what I experienced and things like that. When I came in here and I started talking to other people, I started realizing I know what they feel. Mm-hmm. And therefore, after a while, I got to the understanding. You know, maybe they understand what I feel. Yeah. So I think there's a whole connection there. That was just well, that's the, very yeah. spiritual in nature because it was never there before. And I suppose if you become part of that, that then that opens the door for you to become part of something yeah. bigger than that and bigger than that and so on and so forth. And have you the, uh, the term spiritually bankrupt? Can we talk about that for a minute? Was that something? I mean, does that is that a term that you understand what that means? Would uh, that describe you yeah. at that time? Yeah, and for me, it was just pretty simple. It was just hopeless. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going down the drain. I didn't know how to stop it, and you know, let's finish the game. Mm-hmm. Just that play it out. Bankrupt as I want, ever want to be. Okay. All right. I, I agree 100. No hope. I mean, it took me a long time to realize that I gotten to that point because I mean I didn't know anything else. You know, and that's I think a lot of alcoholics. 
you don't ever know anything different. So you don't, uh, you don't, you don't, you're not exposed to anything different. I know for me, it took me a long time being in this program and sitting with living without the booze and the drugs and 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 the whole life thing. Uh, what it was like without that to understand that there was something different than that. And it took me a long time to realize, yeah, there was no hope, there was no trust, there was no hope, there was no anything. So I So like that that was your normal? Absolutely. It, it got to that point. I didn't know how I got there, but I know that that's where I ended up. So I would I would definitely agree with that. That's that's pretty scary. When hopeless is normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know. Sounds, you know, the th one of the things that was going on in my head was that it's like your pro, your AA program is like the analogy is it's like like a crowbar <laughs> for people who have a hard time opening. You know, the alcohol is the crowbar, whatever the the booze is the crowbar, or the maybe the program is the crowbar. I don't, I'm not sure which the how the maybe analogy the works. The booze is the nail, and, yeah, the, the, crowbar, and the God is the crowbar. God is the that crowbar. Is the spiritual part is the crowbar that opened that door for me. I mean, yeah. Every time I was drinking and doing drugs, I was nailing the door shut even more. So, I mean, that's, and not even knowing it. Yeah, not knowing it. I'm thinking I'm, uh, I'm thinking I'm protecting myself or something maybe. You know, I'm going to keep all the evil out. You know. Did you ever? Problem is, evil's already there. Or the bad stuff was already there. Never figured I was out. Locking what it you... in, but I'm locking it out. Yeah. Never figured out what you were protecting yourself from? Well, I'm sure there's there's a million different things you could say it from, but I mean it's just, you know, the it was fear. I mean, mm. fear of the world and fear of how things work and everything else. So it was like, you know, if I stay here I'm gonna be safe and this is what I know. Mm. And the problem is you're you're not because it's you know, sponsor told me once a long time ago that, you know, when I was home I was you know, mine was going crazy. Didn't know what to do. He said, "Where are you at?" I said, "I'm in my apartment." He said, "Who's there?" He said, "No, we said, get out of there. You're in there with a madman." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so Chuck, you already spoke to this a little bit, but how does the how would you guys say that your spiritual? You know, like a lot of people, like, like you said, a lot of people, all they want to do is stop drinking. They they don't. They're not thinking about any of this kind of stuff that we're talking about here. This is all way up here for a guy who's like walking in the door. He just wants to stop drinking. So how does the spiritual part of the program that doesn't even that doesn't even sound right. How does the how does the the, the how does the program because <laughs> it's all spiritual relate to to not drinking? How do how do we get those two things to 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 click? To work together, when you walk in the door, how did that? What happened? Uh, I think I think it comes with the second step and a realization that uh, this hopeless guy that came in and took the first step and said, "I'm powerless over alcohol," which is an admission that unless you find a power greater than yourself, you're toast. You're done. <laughs> right. <laughs> toast is not in the step, is it? <laughs> Finds a power greater than himself, whatever okay. it is. Yeah. And just latching on to that and doing it again and doing it the next day and the day after that, and pretty soon you got a week sober, and that's magic. Yeah. And, and, and it morphs into, you know, you work the steps and you find a God and all the rest of that. But, but he starts to come in, I think, right at the beginning. And through other people, if you get a sponsor right away and you're talking to each other or whatever, uh, just whatever you're doing at that time to keep you away from the booze and not sitting around focused on not drinking, you might as well be focused on drinking. 
in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. If you want to be doing something, something useful, something to realize that you're okay and that this will work. And after a week or two or whatever, you see that it is and you just kind of grow from there. So we'll keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you and I, well, I, I would agree with, with what Chuck was saying. I know one of the things, uh, in the, I think it's in the doctor's opinion or something else I read, they talked about history is, is strewn with people that were able to get over the alcoholic drink, but every one of them it was a spiritual experience that did it. Um, and it was funny because I, I went to a Jesuit university and I was forced to take a lot of theology and philosophy and things like that, and we used to read a lot about the saints. And you read stuff like St. Saint, Saint Augustine, they were all drunks. I mean, these guys is drunk and a, and a drug addict and everything else. They did everything they could, but they had this massive psychic change. Mm-hmm. This God came out and touched them, and they changed everything, you know. I mean, I don't know for sure he was drinking wine, but you read, you know, his, his confessions, and mm-hmm. he's got a lot of good ones in there. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and that's the only thing that's ever been able to cure alcoholism, as far as I'm aware, that's actually documented has been, has been a psychic change, you know, related to Mm-hmm. A, a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's that's the one thing we have to have. I mean, and it's, and it's, I didn't come in here seeking that, and it wasn't something that, that came right away, but it was something that I eventually came to understand and, I guess, embrace mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And I think everybody that I know that's, that's, uh, that's I guess, worked uh, the program successfully for a long period of time has, to one degree or another, and embrace that as well. So yeah, it grew on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll take uh, we'll we'll take a break um, and uh, maybe get a fly swatter or something. <laughs> you <guys are> driving <laughs> me crazy. <laughs> yeah, if there's any any slight pauses in the conversation, there's there's a yeah. There's going a, on. If you, I, I don't I don't want to swat them because it'll come through the mic. But anyway, you'll so, have your chance right about now. We're okay. going to take about we're going to take five. Yeah. Uh, we're going to listen to it. You know, I think I think we were just kind of joking around about maybe playing this, and you know what? It's going to happen now. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are we playing? This is, this is it, it, for those of you that remember George Thorgood and the Destroyers singing "One Bourbon, One Shot." And one beer. Okay. <laughs> now we got the we got the eight and a half minute version, but I think we might trim it down a little bit. Okay. So we'll give it about five. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you in five. Good first. Want to tell you a story about the house run blue. I come home one Friday. I had to tell the landlady as I lost my job. She said, that don't confront me. As long as I get my money next Friday. Now next Friday I come, I didn't get the rent. And out the door I went. So I goes to the landlady. I said, you let me slide. I have the rent for it, I'm all the next house on now. So, so let me slide it on, you know, people. I notice when I come home in the evening. She ain't got nothing nice to say to me. But for five years, she was so nice. Lord, she would love her it. I come home one particular evening. The landlady said, you got the rent money yet? 
I said no, can't find no job, that's why I got no money to pay the rent. She said I don't believe you're trying to find no job. Said I seen you today, you were standing on a corner, leaning up against a post. I said but I'm tired. I've been walking all day. She said that don't confront me. Long as I get my money next Friday. Now next Friday I come out in the rain, and out the door I went. So I go down the streets, down to my good friend's house. I said, look, man, I'm outdoors, you know. Can I stay with you maybe a couple of days? He said, oh, let me go and ask my wife. He come out of the house. I can see in his face. I know there was no. He said, oh, I don't know, man. Uh, she kind of funny, you know. I said, I know. Everybody funny. Now you funny, too. So I go back home. I said, a landlady, I got a job. I'm going to pay the rent. She said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. And then she was so nice. things and I go. I slip on out the back door. Down the streets I go. She uh, hollering about the front rent. She'll be lucky to get in the back rent. She ain't gonna get none of it. So I stop in the local bar, you know, people. I go to the bar. I rent my coat. I call a bartender. Look, man, come down here. He got down there. So what you want? I want bourbon.
Hey, thank you for joining us tonight, and I uh, hope you had a quick quick break there, too. Thanks for being here again this week for Recovery Internet Radio. We've been talking with Chuck and Chris. Uh, what's, our, what's our show this week? The Spirit of Recovery. Yeah. So if you're just joining us, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're happy to have you around, and I uh, hope you enjoy the music. We, we felt it was uh, appropriate. Kind of a, inappropriate? I'm not, more inappropriate yeah. than anything. <laughs> that works just It was his well. idea. There you go. <laughs> they no, just I threw, out, yeah. they, I, they just threw like, out some names, and I make it happen. So I think it was. We I think we've decided that it was a, sort of a first step song. Really, <laughs> more right. We're going to kind of go forward from there. There you go. Well, that's a good that's a good place to get back into it. Exactly. So again, uh, if you're if you're just joining us, you can reach us live on the air here for the last half of our show at. Three two three seven nine two two nine seven seven. You can also check us out on recoveryinternetradio.com, and uh, we're gonna get right back to it. Here's Rick. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Um, so, um, so this is the question. So the line of the line of questioning I have now is that what you didn't want to talk about that much, <laughs> or no, it's it's more like you didn't have the answers to. I think is what you said, but. Um, I guess the that what I want to ask about is what what when you found out or when when it, when it became clear that that your your faith in something greater than yourself was going to be what saved your sorry behind. <laughs> um, what did you have any questions about? I mean, did anything come up for you like you know? Like what is this? You know, like did, did you have questions about it? What is this all about? Or uh, I hate to give you a real short answer, Rick, but I think the answer is no. You know, okay. it was working and that was fine with me. And mm-hmm. uh, and as I kind of progressed through things, uh, I got more and more friendly with this higher power character. Okay. And, uh, it, so you didn't have a lot of questions. So, but well, let me ask let me ask you another way, and then and I'll ask Chris. Well, let me ask you first. Did you have did you have questions about it? I had about a gazillion. So <laughs> I was. And, and, so you could make up for anything that Chuck oh, didn't ask. Absolutely, and, and I don't know. if We were talking a little bit in the break, and Chuck had talked about being raised Catholic, and I don't remember being raised in any particular religion. So I don't know that I had a background in anything to latch onto. You think that would be for more questions? Oh, yeah, and I guess, you know, some people, it's, I guess it's different for everybody, but I know for me, I just didn't have a concept. I had nothing to, to hold on to. It was a whole new experience, and I had to come up with that on my own, and I guess I struggled with it for, for quite a while. So. so, yeah, so give me, like, what kind, of, what kind of questions did you have? Well, I mean, the whole, the whole question about religion versus spirituality and, you know, what is God and, you know, and, and then the whole thing with... Uh, with uh, Religion in general, I mean, I was a, a history major in college and going through that, I mean, you look at a lot of the things that have been done in history in the, in the name of, of religion, you know, anything like that. I, I latched on to that because, you know, I'm good at latching on to resentments for all kinds of stuff. So if I find something wrong with things, you know, that was it. So it was something, that, it was a tool, I guess, that uh, that my uh, my ism brain could hold on to to you know kind of refute that and say well it can't possibly be real mm-hmm. you know so you know i think for me i had to find some peace with that before i could i guess have a concept of my own you know and it took a long time to to come to terms with that so how did you get those questions answered 
Um, a, a lot of it, as I said, was 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 being around the program and seeing things happen to other people, seeing mm -hmm. the miracle happen for other people. You know, and uh, I was never. Uh, and most people aren't, particularly early in, in, in their sobriety. You don't see how you're how you're changing, but you see how other people are. Right. And I think there was a lot there that that I've seen. And you know, I I kind of lived vicariously through through other people. I was resistant to a lot of the things in the program, but I had some. I I was running with a good crowd, I guess, because they were the guys that were very, you know, uh, seriously working the program and doing a lot of sponsorship and a lot of things like Did that. Did they see the changes in you? Um. Yeah, but I was again. I was. I was a slow changer, so I mean, it was, uh, you know, I was, I, you know, unlike a lot of things in my life, my appetite for the spiritual thing, I took in very small bites. Um, everything else was not quite that way, but, uh, but I, you know, I had to take it and mull it over and think about it and come to terms with it before I could ever get there. And, and the changes for me were small, but then like, what happened to me was, as I made reference to earlier, is I had that burning bush, mm -hmm. you know, about uh, 10 years into into my recovery that, you know, that blew everything out of the water for me. I mean, that, that changed my whole recovery mm -hmm. and my whole personality. Okay. Did you, and so did you have a, would you say you had a burning bush experience or no? I don't think so. What would you, what would you call your, how, how would you classify your experience? Well, I think I went through my AA part of recovery and one of the, you know, and and a couple of the real highlights of that for me were to, were to realize that there was a power, power greater than myself, and second, and probably even more important, that he didn't have it in for me. Mm -hmm. And so then I just was able to kind of progress and develop some sort of relationship or even friendship with that power, kind of stumbled around a couple of religions we, in the meantime. We, well, we want to talk about that, but that... Uh, that he didn't have it out for me. Did that come, did that come from your religious background? It might have. Uh, part of it, yeah. I was I was raised Catholic, and uh, and we only lived a block from the church. And I did the altar boy stuff and all that. I was gonna I was gonna after I finished uh, grammar school go off and be a priest. And my father wouldn't let me. And then I went to high school with the Christian brothers and uh, finished that and wanted to go off and be a Christian brother. And my father wouldn't let me. And uh, so then I went to college and learned how to drink. And uh, and I thought you were going to say, and your father wouldn't let you. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently he did. I just stopped going to church. It just yeah. went away that quick. And uh, what, do you think that was the drink, was the drinking in the church stopping going to church related, or was it just? Uh, I don't think they were related. I think it was just kind of coincidental. It was that part of your life where you're bulletproof and you're going to live forever and all the rest of that and let's have some fun. And off Hard to get up on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> and off you went. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that was, that sounds like a pretty clean break from the traditional path. Was, but do you think that that was where the, 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 uh, the idea of the gotcha thing came from or, or no, not I, sure? I guess I didn't answer that part of your question, Rick. Uh, Catholic education back then was pretty much God's keeping score about all the bad things you did, mm -hmm. and it's a punishing God and all the rest of that. And then I, you know, and then I finally just let the whole thing go. So I figure, you know, if there's there's a place in hell, it's just, it's for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the chair with uh, your name on it. Let's get on with it. And uh, and so, <laughs> you know, right. so so yeah, I, I grew up with. Kind of a punishing God, mm -hmm. and uh, found uh, found one in AA that didn't have it in for me. So uh, I was willing to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to me how 
how that got how somehow that got turned how how that one got left behind and the other one showed up I, I think it was just, uh, you know, when I was at my lowest and couldn't do, couldn't get a day sober and this power came into my life and, and then I had two. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, that was just, I, I don't know how it happened. I didn't want to analyze mm -hmm. anything about it. I just knew there was a good power out there and, he, and we were okay with each other. <laughs> and you didn't need to know any more than that. That's right. Yeah. In fact, it sounds like you didn't want to know anything. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> right. Because that didn't work the first time. Yep. So, and you said you did have a burning bush experience. So, we'll, let's talk about that. Well, and, and mine was was as a direct result of working with another alcoholic as well, which is why it's been kind of very important. Um, yeah. I was uh, about uh, about ten years sober. I moved out of state uh, for a job that was supposed to be this big career move that ended up not going the way I expected it to. Where I was living, I tried to get plugged into the AA program out there, but I was not uh, very, I guess, uh, I didn't I didn't agree with how everything was run. It was a very different uh, program than I was used to, a lot less personal, I guess, very, I mean, all the, all the meetings were as a spirit move you. It wasn't, you know, everybody gets a chance to talk type of thing. So, you know, I for a long time I didn't talk and meetings. I'm like, after you're not gonna ask me to talk. So say what as the spirit moves you mean. So well as as the spirit moves you is is if you know, there's a topic brought up or, or whatever's talked about and then the only people that talk is people that speak up and say, Okay, I got something to say about that. It's not so like you go It wasn't around. like it goes around the table like a lot of meetings where it'll start on one side and it goes around the room and everybody gets okay. their so, chance to yeah. So I I had a hard time with that and some of the format things or whatever and I it was hard getting plugged in. The area I was I was, I was living in, in in Reno, Nevada. It's a very transient place and people are not into very deep relationships cuz everybody's going to move anyway, hmm. you know, um and I was struggling for a, for a long time and I had a guy ask me to sponsor him. Um which I think, you know, was something God nudged him in that direction to uh, take care of me now, mm -hmm. um, because I don't know why this guy would have asked me to sponsor him, but he did. He was a little older than, than I was, and, uh, you know, I worked with him, and, you know, I was, my, my method of working with guys is always to take them through, through the, uh, the, the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the first 164 pages, work on that, and, you know, we were sitting down, and you know, I'd have him read a chapter, and we, you know, I, I told him underline the things that are important to you, and I'll underline the things of mine. I'm reading, and I'm like, you know, underlining everything in the chapter. He's like, holy crap, when did they put this in that book? You know, I wasn't there before, and uh, and I'm seeing, and I started seeing where all the spiritual stuff was there, and and I'm working with him, and he's not getting, and I'm trying to, okay, what can I do to help Mitch out here? You know, what can, and I'm. And I'm going through it, and the next thing I know, I'm on this massive spiritual high, and he's the same miserable dude that he was when he asked me to sponsor him. And you know, it was it was just uh, all of a sudden I had God, and God was in me and around all the time. Mm -hmm. I still had the same miserable job. I still didn't enjoy living out there. I still all the things were there, but I felt God in my heart 24/7. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was and it was probably about for for a period of several months. I know that during this time. I had come home uh, for a visit, and uh, I used to go to a Friday night men's group uh, in Elmhurst, where I where I was going at the time, and and uh, I spoke at the meeting when I came back, and my sponsor cried and said anybody that didn't believe in God and knew you before and heard you talk tonight would be absolutely convinced, mm -hmm. and uh, it was just it was a it was a burning bush. I mean, it was like I had no doubts 
mm-hmm. about anything at that point. It was, it was, just, and I can't explain how it was or what it was. It was just reading the things in the book and 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 trying to help this other guy, and it just everything rang true to me. And mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him, but it was a life-altering event for me. So, yeah, and and you, we've talked about this before, but you, you. It didn't. It didn't necessarily stay that 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 intensity. No, I didn't have. A, I didn't have the, the intensity was there for like I said for for several months. Um, mm-hmm. You know, life interferes with things sometimes, and I know that I've gone on, and you know, I didn't hold on to that as tight as I could. But it, it's easy for me to kind of look back now and think, you know, boy, I had this awesome you know thing with God, and how could I let go of that, and why can't I get back to that? But I have to look back and say that since that time, I've never, there's never been any doubt in my life, and, mm-hmm. and, and at any point in my life, that God was there and God and, and God was available. You know, the the thing I've, I've struggled with since that point is maybe uh, opening that inner door for me to, mm-hmm. to, to let that back in. You know, um, and the, you know the amazing thing to me is like, you know, now like switch back to that 17 year old kid that was in was in treatment, didn't want to be there. And now, fast forward ten years to this guy who's got who's who's absolutely an absolute believer. How how can you? Well, you know, I mean, we could talk all night long and never explain that, yeah. or even get even close, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's a pretty miraculous thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and I don't think it's any less. I don't think your experience is any less miraculous. It's just miraculous in a different way. I think that's right. Yeah, it's just a different. Process and that's really I'm glad we're talking about that because that's really kind of what I what I hoped that we would be able to get a sense of tonight is that there's a lot of different ways to get where you need to to get in this in this uh, in this operation that you guys are involved in <laughs> in this group of drunks or whatever they are. So let me ask you this: um, How do you um, this 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 speaks to that thing you were talking about, Chuck, about being involved with, with some uh, some different religious organizations? How, how the question is: How do you maintain your spiritual your, your the spiritual part of your life? How do you maintain that? Uh, what do you do today? Well, I you know, I, I go to church now. Uh, I guess I've been struggling a bit with trying to find a, a religion. I, I, I like to go to church and to do some things with a church because I think it's a way of of being near this higher power that, that we've been talking about. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, wife and I spent a lot of time in England, always impressed by walking into English churches that mm-hmm. built in 1400 or something, mm-hmm. and it's just awe-inspiring. Yeah. You can walk in there and feel this is God's house and mm-hmm. you can talk to him. And uh, so we did Anglicans for a while, tried that back here, and... and uh, and uh, it, it just wasn't a good experience. It, it, it wasn't, uh, well, enough said. Uh, the, the steps say we should do something about meditation in step 11. And so I, uh, I had the answer to that. I went and tried to learn how to meditate with the Buddhists for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Buddhist religion, not necessarily a philosophy, but the religion is very much self-centered. It, it's very much uh, self-driven. You control how you build up your karma and all the rest of that stuff. And, and uh, right at the outset, I went to the abbot and said, you know, uh, if I've got to be reliant on solely myself, I don't belong here. 
because that's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I know for sure. We, we've been there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done that. It yeah. doesn't work. Ran that experiment for a long time. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> work. For yeah. yeah. So, so we came to some agreement on that, and I meditated with them for a while, and then we got bored with that. And since then, we've we've hooked up with the uh, the Lutherans, and, mm-hmm. and and they're a nice crowd. It's a real good church. There's a lot going on. A very energetic pastor and there's a lot of things to do and and, and I enjoy doing some of it and uh, I find I'm not much, as much an evangelist as some of them would like me to be but you know I get along and and, and uh, there's some things I don't agree with but 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 I can do some things for other people there in the context of that church that mm-hmm. that kind of helped me and, and then I do a lot of stuff that is not a lot of stuff, but I do some stuff in AA. I sponsor some people. I come to things like this and go to meetings and all of that, and that keeps me kind of tuned in. And so I, I'm, I'm at a position, at a point, I think, in my life where I just kind of have a continuing dialogue with mm-hmm. my higher power. I don't spend a lot of time kneeling down. I blow hot and cold on meditating and all the rest of that. But, but it's friendly enough that. Uh, just before last Monday, I was able to say, and, and I know you're not supposed to pray for stuff for yourself, but last Monday, I, I just kind of raised the issue with them of, uh, you know, wouldn't it be like, nice if the Blackhawks uh, managed to get this one away in Game 6, because we all know what a crapshoot Game 7 is. Yeah. And wouldn't it be, you know, I mean, just, you know, your way, of course, but... Uh, um, but but and it would be nice. nice. And it was clearly a higher power thing. I mean, you know, how could you, you know, show the last, work? It took up to the last 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, he must have forgotten that for a while. while. Well, two minutes left in the game, right? <laughs> but I get, I get it that you, this is, the, you know, this is what, this is how, I think you used the phrase, stay, stay close to, or do, you know, kind of do things with. Your higher power, and that's what you're. That's what you're. I try to do, and once in a while he slips away, and I do. You know, uh, uh, I, I kind of go off on some tangents from time to time. Uh, but you know, if you if you kind of stay hooked up, and try and use that moral compass as some guide to what you're you're doing, uh, you ought to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, and no matter what religion you're in, I think that a lot of them kind of amount to sort of the same thing. You're praying to the same guy. It depends on what language you're using. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's that's my take on it anyway. Okay. Uh, convict me as a heretic. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> So what's uh, how do you stay connected? What do you do? Um, well, I mean, I'm I'm obviously I didn't start with the same thing that that, that Chuck did, but and there was a long time, you know, uh, that I wouldn't have anything to do with with religion at all. But I've actually found the last several years, I guess it's uh, it's in the seeking, as I think, uh, you know, Chuck referenced the eleven step and you know seeking through prayer meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the seeking that's important, you know, and if I'm opening myself up to stuff, and I found myself opening myself up to stuff the last couple of years that I was never even willing to consider, you know, years ago. I mean, years ago, you mentioned, you know, Jesus or the Bible, and I had friggin' iron doors slamming shut in my head, mm-hmm. and I didn't listen to anything else that was said, you know, and, and now I've actually found myself, you know, kind of looking at a lot of these different things, a lot of the literature that's out there, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, uh, things about, you know, whether it's Christianity or books like The Shack that talk about, you know, a guy finding, you know, uh, his God and, you know, looking a little bit more stuff, infinite way things, you know, just I, I think it's in the seeking. You know, I've done a little bit, I've dabbled with the, 
with the, uh, the the Buddhism thing and the meditations, and I've dabbled with Tai Chi and mm-hmm. different things. But I I can't say that I I have anything that's set in uh, in stone. But you know, I'm 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 looking and I'm seeking and I'm trying to make that connection on a daily basis. You know? And that's what and what you're saying is the seeking is yeah, it's the seeking. Really I think that's important. I mean, that's the part that you know, I'm, if I'm actively trying to to improve that uh, that contact, that conscious contact, that uh, you know. Uh, Further that relationship, I think, is the important part. And you know, it's it's uh, it's sometimes a struggle. I'm hardwired to uh, think a certain way, I think, and I'm trying to get new software in there. But you know, the machine only runs on certain kinds of stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, so. need an upgrade to the operating yeah. system. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Um, so let, let's talk for a minute. Let's just talk for a minute about um, you know misperceptions. Any things that you think are you would consider like myths about the 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 AA programs? You understand it, of course. You know myths or misperceptions, you know, especially as it revolves around the spiritual part of the the program. What 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 things do you think need to? Would you like to like kind of clear up, or what have you learned that that you thought maybe was uh, you know one way and it turns out to be another? Boy, that's a hard question, Rick. Why don't we ask Chris to answer it? <laughs> All right. Or I could just talk for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, there's the the main thing that seems to be brought out is you know it's a cult and you know it's uh, and a lot of people make the the joke that you know oh, hi Chris or whatever when you go to a meeting. But um, I think that the misconception is that it, it is some sort of a cult and we're trying and AA is trying to force you to believe a certain way or anything, and that's really not the case. The purpose of the program is to allow you to find a concept of a higher power and to and to and to further that relationship. You know, all the 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 book is filled with uh, little nuggets of things. Our purpose is to fit ourselves to maximum service to God and our fellows. You know, uh, is is part of the A step in the in the book. You know, uh, our code, um, the code of AA is uh, love and tolerance of others. Mm. You know, it's it's about Less less thinking about ourselves and more thinking about other people, but you know it's which is a lot of these concepts are pretty simple things to understand. I mean, one of my favorite lines in the book is is, is in We Agnostics, and it and it says um, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live life on a spiritual basis are not only easy alternatives to face. And as an alcoholic, I read that and think, boy, you're right. That's a tough one there. Yeah, let me think about yeah, that. Yeah, but you can throw that out to the general population. Let's see, you're going to die an alcoholic death, or you could work on some kind of a relationship with a higher power. And you get to choose, choice, right? Yeah, you get to choose. And you get now, to do it the way you yeah, want to do it. Yeah, normal, I, I guess a, I'm, I'm assuming a normal per, a normal thinker, a normal person that doesn't have the, the, uh, the disease that I have, it would be a pretty simple and straightforward <laughs> response to that. But for me, and I think for a lot of alcoholics, it's a struggle, you know, because I it, it, letting go of these things is the hardest thing. But that's what this whole program is about. It's about building relationships with a higher power and having a relationship with other people and then letting go. Of well, yeah, and I think one of the, you know, just, you know, flat out. So you're talking about the, the cult thing. People think it's yeah. a cult, and it's not because you, you, there's a lot of choices involved. Some people think, I think that it's a religious organization. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about religion. So why should they not think it's a religious organization? I mean, what... Well, I don't think it is because 
I look at religions and I think they're probably mostly focused on how to live this life in order to get a good deal in the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alcoholics Anonymous is figuring out how to live today to stay sober. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and I think a that's a huge difference. And you can find some help from that as an individual. If you're a Christian, you can migrate to a Christian religion. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're a Buddhist, you can probably migrate to a Buddhist religion even though they've got no higher power. Uh, you, you know, you can you can keep your own and, and yeah. go there and meditate or yep. Yep. whatever. Find some find some power stronger than you and and go with it. Okay. And that, there, there's no there's no payoff here. There's no graduation. There's nobody's a president. Nobody you know ends up retiring with a million bucks. <laughs> program. You know, there's nothing. No money in it. The, the sole purpose of this program is for you know all of us individuals to come together as a group and help each other. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, there's no there's no dues or fees. There's no, I mean, none of this. And that's the part I think a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their mind around, particularly here in in, in, uh, in modern times when, you know, there's there's a lot. Basically, you can't find anything where it's not about getting ahead. And there's so a program. Not, there's nobody in charge. Yeah. It's not about, not about getting ahead. There's no money in it. It's not a religion. How could this possibly work? What is, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. This is I mean, that would be a misconception, I think, is a lot of people think there's a payoff somewhere. And Somebody's getting paid off somewhere, some kind of a Ponzi scheme, where <laughs> one guy comes up with all the sobriety or something in the end, that's not the case. So, yeah. Where's that guy at the top? Yeah, where's that guy at the top? And what is he, yeah, what kind of hats he got on? Okay, so, well, you know what? We, we're just about out of time. So I, let, I, I just, and I often will close with, with this question, um, but it, it really fits here. And the And the question is, what would you, um, you know, what would you tell uh, a, a relative newcomer, a guy who's, you know, just getting started, maybe he's a weekend or two weeks in or whatever? What would you tell him about spirituality? What would you say, if anything? Uh, I guess I, I don't know that I put it directly in terms of spirituality. I think, you know, if you, if you got a, it really depends on some measure on what the the new guy is. But if yeah. he's one of these, if he's a guy like me, that's the problem solver that's one of I'll work this kind of thing <laughs> yeah. is to realize there is a God and you're not him mm-hmm. and go on from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. There is a God and you're not him. <laughs> it seems fairly easy yeah. to understand. Mm-hmm. I would say stick around and wait for the miracle to happen because it happens for everybody that's sticking around long enough. So. Happen to you. Yep. Happen to him. A lot of people would have put best in those things. <laughs> yeah, a lot of money changed hands. Huh? <laughs> okay, well, I think we're gonna we're gonna close on that note tonight, and uh, I want to thank you guys both for coming and making this a, a, a good evening and, a, and an informative evening. I think for a lot of, a lot of people, uh, Chuck and Chris were our guests tonight. Thanks to our listeners out there in Internet Radio Land, <laughs> our studio audience. <laughs> You know, our loyal studio audience. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, email out uh, reminders for next week's show. So if uh, anybody out there doesn't get a reminder and wants to get one, please go to our website and sign up for our, our email list. Yeah, do that. It's recoveryinternetradio.com. And that's a that's a heck of a weekly reminder. You know, a lot of work goes into that. You'll, you'll like say, it. You'll I like want to say, yeah, there's yeah. some good pictures. Beautiful. Um Anyway, so please uh, get in touch with us and sign up. We'd like that. Uh, check check uh, recoveryinternetradio.com for all our archive shows. 
and uh, we'd uh, we'd love to uh, we'd love to hear from you so we know where you are. So as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor. Together, we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you enjoyed the show. See you at 8 p.m. next Sunday evening. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.